the spirit of Advent, I just keep reading this paragraph to us because I think it really expresses so well what this season is. Advent is marked by a spirit of expectation, of anticipation, of preparation, of longing. There's a yearning for deliverance from the evils of the world. First expressed by Israelite slaves in Egypt as they cried out from their bitter oppression. It's the cry of those who've experienced the tyranny of injustice in a world under the curse of sin. And yet who have hope of deliverance by a God who's heard the cries of oppressed slaves and brought deliverance. It is that hope, however faint at times, and that God... However distant he seems sometimes, which brings to the world the anticipation of a king who will rule with truth and justice and righteousness over his people and in his creation. It is that hope that once anticipated and now anticipates anew the reign of an anointed one, a Messiah who will bring peace and justice and righteousness to the world. Our first candle was the candle of hope. <coughs> Our hope rests in the comings of Messiah, Jesus. He came first to introduce himself and to inaugurate his kingdom of righteousness, justice, and peace. He will come again to bring an end to our rebellion with its accompanying curse and finalize his rule on the earth over all his creation with unending blessing. The second candle is preparation. As John the Baptist prepared his generation for the first coming of Messiah, so we are to prepare our generation for Messiah's return. Acknowledging our rebellion, cleaning up our mess, being on our best behavior, living just lives, treating others with dignity, respecting final authority, Receiving royal gifts. The third candle is the candle of joy. A little more joy. Come on. <laughs> the birth of Jesus is an event of great joy for all people, all of humanity, all of time. He is the true Savior. He is the true Lord. He is the true Messiah. And it's only His rule that brings righteousness, justice, peace, and prosperity to humanity. Only Jesus. We will do our best as human beings on the planet, and even those of us that are fought will do our best whether we're, we're governing ourselves, whether we're governing our families, whether we're governing our cities, whether we're governing a nation, we'll do our best, but we will never get there. It's only Jesus 
And that's, that's when righteousness, justice, peace, and prosperity will come on, onto the earth when he returns. And finally, our fourth candle is the candle of love. If you'll stand with me, and let me read the bold print, and then if you would reply in the not-so-bold print. God loved humanity so intensely that he sent as a gift his unique son that whosoever believes in him shall not die but have life without end. God did not send his son to humanity in order to condemn or punish. No. He sent his son so that humanity might attain messianic salvation through him. Our prayer of love. Welcome and receive your love. Amen. Please have a seat. Yes. Everything that's been described in these candles, hope, expectation, joy, love, all of this comes from an almighty God who loves his creation in spite of its rebellion and rejection. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. He loves us all. I'm always a bit nervous when we sing that chorus because I know myself being self-centered. It's just like, yes, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And I think the church somewhat is self-centered, so he loves us. He loves us. And we forget that really what that, that song is about is that our God loves all of humanity in spite of humanity's rebellion and rejection. When we fall short, when we sin, when we transgress, our God does not stop loving us. God does not stop loving humanity. It's not that God so loved the world and he no longer loves the world. God so loved the world. He loved the world. And he continues to love the world today. Would you say with me, with conviction, God loves humanity. God loves humanity. Do you believe that? Yes. Okay. God loves humanity. We disappoint him. No, no doubt we disappoint him. I mean, I, I can look at the Bible and it says, if you being evil can give a good gift to your children. I mean, there's an analogy of those of us that are fathers. I mean, as a father, we have children. Our children don't do everything that we ask them to do, right? No. Okay, so when our children don't do what we ask them to do, do we stop loving them? Well, are we tempted? Yes. 
Yes, yes, we are tempted. And some of us, sadly, we, we close up our hearts. And I'm not, I'm not going to risk being hurt anymore by my kids. And so I just shut myself. We, I mean, that's a disaster if we do that. But God, God does not stop loving us. He never has. And it doesn't matter how bad things get. He is never going to stop loving. It's his kindness that results in repentance. It's not his heavy-handedness. Nicodemus heard something in the teaching of Jesus that drew him to Jesus in the middle of the night. And in that conversation, Nicodemus being a Bible scholar, Nicodemus being a religious Jew, he was hearing something, and in that conversation, just one short chapter in John, he raises some really big questions. So the questions that that conversation raises are, how do we enter the kingdom of God? Jesus, you're saying that the kingdom's arrival, how do we enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus you're talking about God is love, but does God, does God love humanity? And if God does love humanity, how does God show humanity that love? And is humanity condemned by a holy judge? He raises the question, well, what, is, what is salvation? What is God's plan? for humanity's future. And what does humanity do with Jesus? I mean, Nicod, bottom line is Nicodemus is really saying two things. He has two questions. What, what am I supposed to do with you? And how, and how do I enter the kingdom of God? Those are really the two questions. But in that conversation, Jesus answers so much more. So only a part of the chapter, John 3, 14 to 17. So just as Moses lifted up a snake in the desert, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may share in the life of God's new age. Don't panic about the new age. Don't allow the devil to pervert what God has given to us. The Bible does talk about a new age. And if we're not talking about it in the way that God's talking about it, then we allow the devil to steal something from us that God has given to us. It's very important for you and I to understand that the kingdom of God is about an age that follows the present age. There is an age to come. And in that age to come, God will be ruler on the earth and there will be nobody that stands in the way. And he will rescind the curse and blessing will come again. It is a new age. We need to be able to tell that to our world. And, and Jesus is actually saying, if you believe in me, the Lord of that future age, that new age actually begins now. Wow, that begins to turn your head around three times. This you see is how much God loved the world. Enough to give his own special son 
so that everyone who believes in him should not be lost, but should share in the life of God's new age. After all, God didn't send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world could be saved by him. As Jesus raises questions from those words, that conversation with Nicodemus, it begins to to just kind of, it makes me ask questions of myself and us. God is bringing something into history and we've got to, I mean, we've got to ask, are we going to receive what God has brought? And so first of all, are we going to receive God's intent and passionate love? And for all the years that I've read, God so loved the world, I've never really stopped. What, what's that so there for? God so loved. What's so? So what? What? It's an, it's an adverb of degree. It means God so intensely, God so greatly, God so passionately. I mean, it doesn't really define what the adverb is, but it, it's telling us that God has this intense, passionate, overwhelmingly personal love for all of humanity. And are we going to receive that love? I mean, I think of Peter. As Peter grows to know Jesus, and he knows Jesus grows to know him, and, and Jesus moves closer and closer and closer to him, and, and finally it just it erupts. And Peter, you know, get back, don't touch me, get back from me. I can't, I can't be. I can't be that lovable. I can't be that forgiven. I'm a sinful person. You know, step back from me. And I, I think every one of us has to overcome that. There is a God that's, that's pushing into our lives again and again and again to convince us that He loves us. We are His. He created us. He knows everything there is to know about us. Yes, we do disappoint Him. Yes, we do rebel against Him. We want our own way. I mean, I, I mean how, could you, how could we ever argue about we want our own way? I mean, as, as much as I love my grandkids, they have a game. They, they stand behind me, hit my head, and I'm supposed to guess which one hit me in the head. So... It's a love pat. But they came, and they were trying to position themselves behind me in the same spot. And there was this war. You're in my space. Get out of my space. That's my space. Get over, move over. So we couldn't play the game. I didn't get hit in the head that night. Because they couldn't move beyond, I want it my way. And I have dear and precious and beautiful grandkids, but I can see within them the way they go about playing. They want their own way when they want their own way. And it's us. It's me. Every one of us, we want our own way. We resist. Even a benevolent God who says, let me, I'm going to direct you towards what's the very best. Trust me. I can't trust you. 
So do we, do we really receive? I mean, do, can we really accept the fact, truth, God loves us? And can we receive the gift of a very unique person, Jesus? There is, there is nobody else in human history like Jesus. N- no one. There's no one like him. He is God's unique and only one. There's not going to be another somebody come along that's better than Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. Can we accept? Can we receive that fact? It's Jesus. Can, can we accept that there is life in an age that's coming? And that life is actually better than the life we live now. And can we accept that he truly does pardon our rebellion? I mean, I, I haven't forgotten things in my past. About, I mean, I'm embarrassed at times by things in my... But I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I've, I'm pardoned. I, I know that even in those times where I, I'm selfish and I want my own way, I know. Do we know? Do we receive pardon? And do we receive God's path into his kingdom? That path is believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus, Messiah. Believe in Jesus, King. And if we do, then how are we going to announce this great news to our generation? When I just start asking myself questions and I just bring it to us. You know, do, do, do my relatives, do my friends, do my neighbors, do, do they know that God loves them? Do, do my relatives, do my friends, do my neighbors, do they know that God sent Jesus as a gift of his love? <laughs> Do they know that God's not out to get us, to punish us, to condemn us? Do do they know that God wants us to experience the best of life now? This is not just a future proposition. It's about now. Do my relatives, do my friends, do my neighbors, do, do they know that God has planned a better future for all of his creation? We've had this conversation together as a community about announcing good news to our neighbors and to the nations. And there, I've, had, I've, I've really enjoyed a couple of really good conversations. And one of the conversations I had was with a person in our community who said, you know, I really don't want to do that because I just don't want to be clustered with others that are out there sharing the good news. You know, and truthfully, by and large, this is not the message that the church in general is broadcasting to our generation. The message that's being broadcast more often than not is God is mad at you. 
you deserve punishment, you're going to hell. So really, you don't really have a very bright future. Now, there is the caveat, believe in Jesus. That's there, but that gets lost way down the list. It's not, the, that, the good news is believe in Jesus. But somehow that gets lost on this long list and we've already turned people's soul away from what we're trying to say that nobody, they stop listening. People stop listening. So my friends, if we've received, we, we have to give. And if we're not telling people about a God that loves humanity, we're not telling people about the gift that Jesus is to all of humanity. We're not telling people that God is not this angry judge about to pounce on us and, and punish us. If we're not telling people that God really wants us to experience the best in life now, if we're not telling people that God, I mean, God, God has this thing figured out. God knows where we're going, and there is a better future for humanity. If we're, not, if we're not the ones telling our generation that, no one else is, or very few people are. I think one of the, the things, I assume that people know this stuff. People don't know this stuff. And they need us. Somehow they need us authentically, genuinely, as good friends, sharing the truth of what God is and what God has done. And I would say most of we don't know how to do that. I, that's okay. We can ask the Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to deliver to our generation the news that you want our generation to receive. Somehow, we can be a small voice <laughs> contributing to our generation something that our generation has to hear if they're going to come to know Jesus. So would you like to stand with me? And then we ask, can we just ask again just that we would be renewed with all that we need to receive and that the Holy Spirit would then empower us to go out and to share with our relatives, our friends, our neighbors the great news. The news of love. Holy Spirit, as we stand before you, as we come into a time of ministry, Thank you for the time that we spend in worship inviting you to be here, to be present, to be active. And Lord, I'd ask, I'd ask that you would enable us in this moment, at this time, to receive the intense and the passionate love that you have for each of us, for all of us in this room, and for all of humanity on the planet right now. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with the love of God. Holy Spirit, I ask you to dismantle the thoughts that we build up sometimes in our head. 
things that sound like God doesn't love those that are transgressors or sinners. Remove those thoughts. God, you've loved us at our worst. Thank you for that love. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to see once again this year the tremendous gift of love that Jesus is. In this time, Holy Spirit, let us taste the powers of the age to come. Thank you for pardoning our rebellion. And as we receive from you, we, we, we again just commit, we, be, we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. And so, Lord, as we receive these gifts from you, I ask that you would now fill our mind with our relatives, our friends, our family, our neighbors. And Holy Spirit, would you empower us to communicate to our generation your love, your gift of Jesus, your life, the life of the age to come breaking into the moment to share with others the future that you have planned for us, which is a good and bright future. To share with others that there is always pardon for our rebellion. To share with others the importance of believing, believing in Jesus. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to share your story with our generation as we bless you, as we thank you. In your name, amen. So thank you for our time this morning, and may God bless uh, gatherings you know, as your family gets together and you all celebrate. I, I hope it's just a great week for each and every one. Thanks for our time together. Amen.